I bought up all that toilet paper on purpose, you motherfuckers. Welcome to Superhouse, the Batman podcast you deserve and the one you need right now during quarantine. This is Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman. And I'm Andrew, everybody. What's going on? I live in a world of indeed, baby. I'm that little old wolfy cruz. Welcome to my brain, <laughs> our brain. <laughs> and social distancing does not stop the bat tutelage over at Superhouse because it's <laughs> even brought us a special guest. Please welcome to the podcast artist Dustin Lee Massey. Hello, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, hell yeah, brother. You know too much about Batman. I draw Batman too often. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect. We can't perfect. Great effect. I believe this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. (laughs) So, for those of you who aren't familiar with Dustin, I don't remember when I first saw his stuff, but I was browsing through Instagram one day and I saw what looked like on the Explore page like this really cool mashup of like movie versions of Batman characters, but placed in like classic comic book covers and he's done if you guys check out his page at Dustin Lee Massey uh, he's done the cover of Joker's five-way revenge the Joaquin Phoenix Joker and the Affleck Batman he did that famous like 70s cover with like there's it's all the Batman villains gather around the coffin and they claim that they killed Batman mm-hmm. but he like mixed in like the Riddler and Penguin from Gotham the Killian Murphy Scarecrow the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor the Joaquin Joker and uh, most recently uh, I first started talking to him when uh, he did the death in the family, but mixed in all the different live action jokers in there. Yeah, so yeah. that Very that's great. really cool, man. That's good stuff. Thank Very you, great. thank you. <laughs> so it, it all kind of happened uh, like organically too, and it's like really taken off like in the last couple of months. But um, I'm actually a painter traditionally like i have a bfa and mfa in like painting and i teach art at clemson and um i just i just finished my grad program uh december 2018 so i started teaching i'm teaching part-time a lot of the jobs i was applying for they want you to be able to do digital and traditional there's not too many people who do um just traditional art anymore so uh, my painting is usually, you know, pretty serious business. And <laughs> um, when I'm doing like the digital stuff, I'm learning. So I was like, well, I don't want to jump in and do something like super serious. So I'll just like, you know, play around and do comic book stuff. And when I was learning the, the programs, um, I didn't know the tools, but I was relying on color. So I would approach like these things like a, like a printmaker, but then use the color palette that I would use for my paintings and um, I was like, okay, like, let me give myself a project to do to, like, keep myself going and keep myself busy. So I did um, the first, uh, I think, I forget which one, maybe it was, like, Batman 25. But it was, it's the one with Batman and Robin, and it's got all the Joker heads above it. And, um, um, yeah, so I did that one and just put it out there. And... No More Mutants uh, on Instagram posted it, and it got 6,000 hits overnight, and then Geek oh. World Unite put it up, and it got 21,000 hits overnight. And yeah. then all of a sudden, like, my page starts blowing up. And then I start getting <laughs> contacted by people, and they're like, hey, do you do commissions? And I was like, well, yes, I do. <laughs> and uh, it just kind of blew my mind because I never really thought of uh, – 
art in those terms because like like when you get into the art world there's always like these very strict like rules and lines right like you have yeah. to do this to do this job and i always thought that like who would want anything for me if I'm not working for like Marvel or DC comics, you know, mm -hmm. and then I quickly found out, like, if it's good, people like it, you know, and then mm -hmm. like, I found out that what I was really appealing to was this niche group of uh, fans who were like me, right? Like we're disenfranchised. Um, we feel like we've been robbed or cheated of something, and I, I was able to, like, provide this, like, moment for them because there was, like, this, all these cool moments that we missed out on because, like, Warner Brothers and DC Comics and all this stuff is just, like, in such flux that we missed out on all these opportunities. So I was like, well, let me, like, just see how many of these opportunities I can provide for fans and just start collecting you know, different characters from across the shows and put them together. And um, for the most part, uh, I've had a really positive response because, like, if, if I do something like Marvel Comics or Star Wars related, they have so much content and it's so saturated that people really don't appreciate it. But, like, if you do something from, like, Titans – there's a mm -hmm. very niche group of people who mm -hmm. actually have the DC Comics app. And yeah. the people who do have that app and the people that watch that show love those shows. And the the Snyder Cut guys, I mean, they're so oh, passionate. Yeah. I mean, just so passionate. So, like, if, if I can, like, do anything to, like, give them content and bridge that gap, for the most part, you know, people are really appreciative. I do get into some, you know, gray area whenever I put up uh, Jared Leto <laughs> periodically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, it, it, it's really taken off, and I've just been blown away by the response and just, like, super humbled, and um, it just keeps opening doors for me, and... Um, just kind of excited to see like where it ends up going. You know, I get to do cool things like this now, right? Because I'm doing Batman drawing. So, yeah, I, I love seeing the Batfleck mixed with the Joaquin Joker and and all the different like mashups that you know might not necessarily have been possible. Even like Batfleck with all the different uh, the Jokers that you've got. So, um, so this was mostly inspired by uh, you thinking through of what we missed out on, is what you're saying in terms of what inspired you to to match this up. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Just trying to provide, you know, an outlet for people um, that, you know, they're not going to get because like, I mean, it's like three years later and there's still petitions for uh, release the Snyder Cut, you know, right. and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and I'm probably going to catch some heat for this, too. But like, you know, for me, Ben Affleck's Batman and then you go. <laughs> cast twilight guy and i'm just like heartbroken <laughs> <You know? laughs> just like, like oh my god he's batman look at ben affleck you know and um and and i know he said he dropped out because he was gonna drink himself to death and i'm like yeah you know but it'd be worth it <laughs> <laughs> that's true he is batman i mean not only that and not only that, like anything that he writes and directs himself is just amazing. And the thought that like he would have written and directed a Batman movie, even if he didn't star in it, it, it would have been phenomenal. I mean, you just look at like 
the things he's won Oscars for. And if he's doing his stuff, it's great. If he works for somebody else, we may get, uh, you know, Geely or whatever. But when he does right. his own stuff, you know, he's fantastic. <laughs> There's a lot of comic book content on their on your page that's based it's mostly batman right but you have a little bit of marvel stuff in there uh like punisher and 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 things like that but um it seems to be mostly batman so is like what first you what was the first what first got you into batman was it the comics the animated series movies or so I, i'm i'll just be out you know in the open i'm i'm like 43 years old and uh <laughs> yeah man and like Exposed. like uh, yeah like i mean not Batman, I mean, uh, and this is going to sound silly, but like as a kid, I loved Batman, you know, and I even remember uh, I grew up in Louisville one time and um, we, I was with my mother and my brother and we're young, like super young, like maybe like four years old and we're driving somewhere and the car breaks down and it's like in the middle of winter and it's cold and she's freaking out. And I remember like, like, don't worry, mom. Batman's gonna save us, you know. <laughs> she was like mad at me, you know, but I like thoroughly believed it, you know. And um, you know, just from a young age, like Batman, like, and I'm I'm totally convinced. I say this all the time. Anybody who, any male who is between like thirty and forty, and they're an artist, I thoroughly believe they became an artist because when they were a kid, they wanted to learn how to draw Batman better. Like, Batman oh. is the, the root of, like, most artists, right? And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not even lying. So. And, you know, so Batman was always my childhood favorite. Now, when I got into comics, I was a huge Marvel guy, and I've always been a Marvel guy. And you, you mis mentioned Punisher, and the Punisher series on Netflix was just amazing. Yeah. And you know, watching season two, knowing it was ending, it was like painful. I felt like I was losing my best friend. Like I, like you connected with that character like so much, like in that second season. Um, and I love doing that stuff. And some of the stuff I've done recently are commissions. So like there's other Punisher fans and they've contacted me and they've asked me to do the Punisher commission. So um, I always ask people's permission, like, hey, can I post your stuff? And and they're like, yeah. So whenever I do a commission, I'll put that up there. But most of the time when I'm doing my own stuff, I work within um, the DC world because, one, I love Batman. And then two, I just feel like that uh, that that group is underrepresented um and everything else is like super saturated and if you wanted to go find that content it's out there but um the other content's a little harder to find um and and, and once again you know like it's passionate base and it opens up doors i can't i can't say who um it is yet i can't i can't reveal until april Ooh. but i have been oh, contacted shit. i was contacted by an actor from either a DC movie or a TV show. Um, and I have completed a commission for them, but I cannot um, post it until April. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. You heard it so, here, folks. Yeah. So Ooh. I'm definitely like, you know, uh, in that wheelhouse. And, um, and then, the, you know, the Joker movie too was fantastic. Like the recent one, um, I know it was very divisive, but I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, and and when I sit down, I don't want to draw like the it. That's just what comes out, you know. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I, I love other things, but you know, that's usually where like the wheelhouse I'm trying to stay at. Um, and even trying to do like series, like I just did the Death in the Family, 
and uh, I collect comic book covers all the time because I have the DC Universe app, and I'm looking at a lot of like Flashpoint stuff as well. Because um, I know that's an, another one that people are upset about because that movie just hasn't happened, and it keeps yeah, getting right. back. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, so yeah, that cover's great of the the Thomas Wayne Batman uh, that you mocked up there, and your 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 art style is very distinct. Um, are there are there artists either in comic books or maybe even like you're saying uh, trained in the fine arts that you've kind of used as influences for this particular style? You know. Um, here's, here's the thing, right? Like, um, you know, I collect a lot of comics when I was a kid and then kind of like got away from it and have come back recently. And, um, you know, when I was young, I didn't really know much about art. And now that, it, you know, I have these degrees and I go back and I look at it, like I realized that most of the, the people that I thought I liked when I was younger actually weren't good at all. <laughs> like uh, Rob Leefield. <laughs> anyway, just wanted to take a jab at Rob Leefield there for a second. Continue. Um. Y- y- yeah. You know, like a lot of those guys. A lot of those guys. And and I don't like to like right. say anything bad about them because you know a lot of times people are like, oh, yours is better than that guy. And I usually I, I'm trying to find something I can add value to. But what I what I discovered mm-hmm. was the people who are great are the people who color their work. And those are the guys that were, like, really amazing. Um, so, like, really uh, what I try to focus on is, one, like, when I do digital um, work, like, I approach it like a printmaker. And if you're not familiar with, like, printmaking, there's, like, an mm-hmm. old traditional art style where, like, basically you would do a drawing. And let's say this drawing has seven colors in it. So you would carve a wood block. And each block would be an individual color, and then you would, like, print those blocks on top of each other and layer those colors up, and it would make the image. Mm -hmm. So, like, I literally – like, if you look at my stuff, it's a lot of, like, shapes, and I'm Mm, constantly looking for these shapes, carving out colors. And then the other thing that I really focus on is – and I've gotten some arguments with some people on Instagram about this is – it's called atmospheric perspective. And it's yeah. it the whole thing is actually trying to create space through color. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I never ever do is use black. Like if you know, and, and that's like a huge no in comic books, right? Like everybody uses black. But if you use mm-hmm. black, it flattens something. And mm-hmm. um, I always yeah. yeah, so like I'm always using something that's super dark. And when I put it next to another color, it may appear black, but it's not black. And I try to keep, you know, values um, similar if I want something far to recede in space. And then I make the values dramatically different in the foreground to make it seem closer. Uh, Because the way that our eyes work, when we look at something far away, those lines get fuzzy. So if I make the value similar, you lose the line. And I do that with color as opposed to me trying to figure out, like, how do all these different digital tools work? So I just, like, focus, you know, more on color when I'm creating the image. Um, and another thing that I do, too, is – so, um, like, if if my shadows, like, let's say, like, I usually will use, like, a purple or a green and it'll be like a really dark purple or green. And then if I'm doing flesh tone, um, when I move up in value, I also move up in the color wheel. So the shadow will be a dark purple, 
and then I'll I'll move to like um, or let's say I start in green, then I move to blue, then I move to purple, then I move to red, and up to yellow. And then as I'm moving up the color wheel, I'm moving up in value, and you end up getting this like really rich, you know, kind of color range. Whereas most people are like, okay, this is going to be flesh tone, and I'm just going to keep going up in value in the flesh tone, you know, like mm-hmm. in that just peach. So right. um, I was really just trying to bring, you know, something of me into it that nobody else was doing. But um, cool. yeah, there was definitely influences, you know, as a kid. Like for me, um, you know, my 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 favorite run of all time was um, Chris Claremont and Mark Silvestri. Uh, on the X-Men and I love that guy and just like the whole thing was like this really adult oriented let's find a creative way to tackle racism and make it acceptable Mm -hmm. to talk about it you know and I just felt like it was like so groundbreaking at that time and that was like something that's always resonated with me um but uh you know there's i i've been looking at a lot of uh guys lately like i think uh uh, one of them's like ben oliver i think his name is um and uh a couple different guys i follow on instagram like a like instagram's a rabbit hole like you click on one artist and then like the next one (laughs) it's like oh like you'll like this guy too and you're like yes i do like this guy (laughs) Uh, that's uh, with with I find with art, the algorithms really start to pay off because you're just like, oh, my God, like every image is so beautiful to your tastes, you know, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing, too, man. Instagram is an algorithm thing. And like I said, like a lot of this stuff happened by accident. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, now that it's happened, like I need to go ahead and own it. So um, something I've done recently, like uh, uh, there's no more like organic growth on instagram right instagram is competing with uh youtube and they're competing with twitter and all these guys and basically what they want is they want you to spend more time on the app so their 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 app is actually geared towards let's put these guys higher in searches that um people spend more time with their content and the one thing that Instagram did recently was you used to only be able to do like three images and now they bumped it up to 10 mm-hmm. and yeah. usually you upswipe. Right. But then if you get to like the guy with 10, then you swipe right. And um, every time you swipe, that's an engagement and they're spending more time with you. So then in turn, Instagram puts you up farther in the search um, because people are spending time with you. And a lot of my recent work, I'm constantly taking snapshots of progress pics, and then I'm mm-hmm. adding like word bubbles and kind of telling people what I'm doing. And it's my way of just trying to get people to like en- engage with the post, so I pop up higher in the algorithm. Um, and it's really been paying off because um, I'm averaging right now about a thousand followers a month. Um, wow. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I went from like five hundred to five thousand, like from November to like today. <laughs> you know? Awesome. So, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, can um, I ask you? Yeah, yeah oh, go ahead. Can I ask yeah, you absolutely. one more question uh, for the digital artists out there who may be listening or currently talking to you? What uh, <laughs> equipment do you use? If you don't mind sharing, is that some iPad Pro action? Are you a Wacom guy? I'm on Photoshop, iPad Pro. Mouse? 
And definitely iPad Pro. And it was one of those things yeah. that when I went to grad school, I was looking at getting like a laptop or a Mac or something like that. And I just walked into the Apple store and they had it set up. And I started mm-hmm. drawing with it. It was so intuitive. And um, I have uh, several different programs on there, but um, Procreate is what I use the most. And uh, um, I recently downloaded Photoshop because they just released that for iPad as well. And I've been learning Photoshop, and Procreate is almost identical to Photoshop with the exception of Procreate is more intuitive. Like Photoshop yeah, is kind of clunky and trying to figure out like where things are at, and and Procreate is just so like natural, and mm-hmm. and the more time I spend with it, I figure out like more and more things that I can actually do with it. But um, I mean it's the it's it's so close to like traditional drawing, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But then you can do like so much with it as well. So, um, and. There's like there there's always this push right you got to know photoshop you got to know photoshop but i really think the more that like artists and designers play with the ipad pro and use procreate mm-hmm. like there's going to be a huge shift um towards yeah. uh, procreate and they're constantly updating it too and cool. trying to make it to where it competes with uh photoshop as well yeah yeah i've used it a little bit it's great that's awesome thanks for sharing yeah no problem nice uh, now you said that you also, you know, you you've mentioned the Chris Chris Claremont X Men run. Uh, you're a big comic book guy. What are some of your favorite, I guess, not just Batman comics, but just favorite Batman stories across the different mediums? Um, you know, like like Batman in general, like wasn't one that like I followed as much. Um, when I got into comics, it was really more um, the Marvel stuff, and it wasn't recently. It's just been recently that I've actually kind of come back and started picking up a lot of the DC stuff. And the, and the thing that like blew my mind was uh, the DC Universe app. Like I, I got it oh, as yeah. soon as they 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 rolled it out, and the number one um, comic book was Batman number one, and I was just like mind blown. That like kids today, like they get the app and you have access to Batman number one. And like as a kid, me growing up, like if you had Batman number one, like you had to be like a millionaire, you know, <laughs> like that kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> and now everybody's got access to it. So like you know, surprisingly, I've actually like started from the beginning and and like started reading a lot of those and um, collecting the covers because like for me, like I mentioned earlier. You know, somebody was talking about Rob Liefeld, and um, there's a, <laughs> there's so many, like, Batman covers out there. People say, like, oh, do this for me or do that, and I try to avoid it because some of them are so good. I feel like I, I can't add value to that, um, and I've been, you know, really spending a lot of time with the original run and looking at all those because I'm like, oh, that's something that if I, like, put my spin on it, I can definitely add value to. Um, so I definitely have been looking more at, like, just from the beginning, like, going forward. Um, and then I actually, uh, when you guys mentioned the call, I read uh, the Contagion uh, series oh, today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He came prepared. <laughs> I was like, um, it was it was hard because they're not grouped together. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, you have to search for that shit. Yeah, I had to search all of them, and 
Um, so it, it, it was kind of difficult, but, um, and I know the one thing that, um, I'm kind of interested in that like been talking about for years and it hasn't like come to pass is the, the whole three jokers, right? Like, um, there's going to be the storyline with three jokers, right? Like let's bring it on. Let's, let's, let's have that happen. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still curious what, uh, who they're going to be and what the, if there, if this is something that's going to like completely blow the lid off of what we know of Joker, or if this is something that is going to actually like be something that changes, yeah, if it's actually going to change the character forever, so we'll see. Well, yeah, you know, and and that's kind of like one thing that kind of like always bothers me because um, whenever like I do artwork, uh, you know, I'll put stuff up and and immediately somebody will like a comment because. You know, you got 5,000 people, and yeah. I may make, you know, 4,998 of them happy. And then there's going to be the one guy that's going to be like, Jared Leto sucks. And, <laughs> um, you know, and like, like to me, they all have some sort of value. And then you have fans that get on there and they post on my page and they're like, um, you know, well, this totally isn't like the Joker at all. And I'm like, Every time a new writer comes on and they get a hold of Joker or Batman, it's like a new version of that person. Like the mythology changes a little bit and they're bringing something to it, you know? And like for me, it's kind of like, you know, every time they do a different movie and they bring these different actors on, it's like a different writer coming onto the comic book and taking, you know, like I'm going to take the reins of this character and this is what I'm going to do with it. And, uh, because it was it was funny. One guy was arguing with me, and he was talking about um, Heath Ledger was like uh, this big, you know, schemer, planner guy, and he didn't do anything without a plan. And I was like, dude, did you watch the movie? He was literally like, I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know, <laughs> you know, what to do with one if I caught it. And he was like, oh yeah, but he was doing that to trick him, and he's he really had this larger plan and. Um, I was like, no, like the whole movie was like, he just wants to watch the world burn and he had all the money and he burned it and like literally has no plan. And, um, and it's, it's crazy as it may sound. And, um, you know, I don't know like how much heat this will give me, but like Joker's like the Bible. Joker's like the Bible. Like people read it and they, they, they interpret it how they want to. And they believe what they want to believe, and people can watch the Joker, yeah. and they pull out of it what That's they want. That's why it's so dangerous. Yeah, you know, and then it's uh. like, oh my god, like, Joker would never do that. And it's like, I mean, that's the whole point of it, you know, and I think that's the whole right. point yeah. of the three Jokers is, like, it could be fluid, and that's why he's constantly changing, you know, mm-hmm. so. I love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rather, well, well, well stated, well stated. Yeah, no, it, absolutely, and I think that's every single time that they do a new cinematic take, everyone is just, like, bracing themselves in terms of just, like, how, okay, what's what's it going to be this time? Yeah, it's such an interesting ritual, you know, that we've come to. The, mm-hmm. the Batman movies, you know, they always just garner such, like, strong attraction. It's Batman, you know, and then, like, but, you know, with Joker and, like, what you guys are saying, it's so, it's interesting that we've come to that, and then we're always mm-hmm. going to expect this new type of Joker I'm so into yeah. that. Yep, exactly. And 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 a part of that, and and I don't know if this is true with, you know, the the whole DC movies are constantly in flux, but um, like the Marvel side of filming, 
the fact that they killed off Iron Man because they couldn't pay Robert Downey Jr. anymore. And <laughs> they constantly like reboot Spider-Man. And I feel like everybody in the you know, everybody is familiar with the characters enough and adult enough that you could treat Marvel movies like Bond now, you know, and mm-hmm. um pretty much don't yeah. just swap out the actor and keep it going. And, um, you know, and, and, and it'll be like bond, you know, like maybe there's one iron man that you don't like, but then the next one's great and you keep coming. And as much as people hate Jared Leto, like people should thank Jared Leto because he, he took, uh, he took the hit, you know, like it didn't matter (laughs) who followed Heath Ledger. They were going to get destroyed. And Yaqueen Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Yaqueen Phoenix, the only reason, like, I'm not the only reason, but one of the reasons he was so um, readily accepted is because we already got that that out of us, right? Like, everybody yeah. just, yeah. like, you know, blamed Leto and, and hated Leto. But Ledger was so amazing. I, I don't care who came after him. They were going to eat that guy up. So, like, people should be yeah. thanking Leto for taking the heat on that one. Yeah. Uh, now we At can, least like, he became infamous. <laughs> yeah, At least he, he became did. infamous in the role, you know? Yes. Like, well, he really you know did what, something. <laughs> what's funny, too, right, is, like, I did the um, the death in the family one, right? Mm-hmm. And, and usually anytime I do anything Leto, everybody hates it. But I was like, okay, I did a Joker variant. For like all these jokers, and you guys get to vote on which one I'm going to release next. And the bulk of the votes were Leto because I think Leto <laughs> would kill Jason Todd. And I thought yeah, that's yeah. the volumes about like his portrayal because I'm like, you got all these different jokers, and like the out yeah. of all of them, the one that you think is going to kill somebody is Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah. He's so unphilosophical because, about it. Well, and he you was know, scary. I, I wouldn't want to be in a room with yeah, that yeah. guy. Like, <laughs> that's true. Be very uncomfortable, true. at least. Yeah. I think, I think also, I can, I can accept every single thing about Leto except for the damage tattoo and the grill. <laughs> I think if everything else being the same, I, I would have been totally fine. Leto's performance even was pretty much fine from what we saw. It's just, you know, I don't know. I think those those two choices in particular were not great. Somebody just posted this. The reason he had the grill is because Batman knocked out his teeth. That yeah, was that's a fan what, uh, rumor. Right. No, well, that's actually what David Ayer, the director, said. Like, this is the explanation for it. That's um, how he posited that that would happen. And but I think also, that actually led. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like it, it's kind of like people are saying it's like a J.K. Rowling thing, where she said that Dumbledore was gay after the whole series was. It's like it's not actually in the movie. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's like yeah. we, people kind of debate whether they went counts. out of their way to get the Joker to have a grill. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, exactly. it's definitely a choice that they wanted. The director and Leto really wanted this, so. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's too bad. Uh, it's too bad. It yeah, it I, been I, better. Dream was my dream was that they were gonna finally reveal that he wasn't actually Joker at all, and it was Jason Todd, right? And that there was gonna be another Joker revealed that was even scarier. Now that yeah. would have been like unbelievable if they had. Oh, that William off. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, that would have been fucking fantastic. And, you know, and like what we're saying with the grills and everything, like Batman being pushed to the point that he's beating up his former Robin to the point he's knocking his teeth out or some shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's all it's like this movie that we'll never get exactly to your yeah. the point of your art. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the imagination runs wild with what could have been. So so that's awesome that your, your take on, on, on this is is very palpable. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dustin, it sounded like you were prepared to talk about Contagion since you <laughs> you read all of it. So, uh, let's see. So, I've read it. Uh, Dustin has read it. Wolfie has read two issues of it. Andrew, you have not read it. Yeah, yeah. I am the least prepared person here. <laughs> Please forgive so, uh, me. I will learn with the audience. All right. After the break, then, Dustin will join us in, the, I guess, this is potentially the first time we've had a guest join us in the deep dive. We're doing a deep dive into the storyline Batman Contagion, written in 1996, yet still somehow relevant to today. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop, RetroCo. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disc system that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into, or uh, import game, please go to RetroCo.com. That's Retro-KO.com. And if you use the Superhouse code Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to RetroCo.com, you can also go to Facebook.com slash RetroCo with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European. Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a Superhouse discount. And we're back. So, Batman Contagion is obviously somewhat relevant right now, given what uh, everyone's going Some, through. But somewhat, <laughs> somewhat You're talking about relevant. A fucking understatement of the somewhat year. relevant. <laughs> that's that's my that's my style. I'm understatement. Uh, yeah. But there's something. There's something in the and this was written. This is 1996, by the way. This is many years before the 2011 Steven Soderbergh movie. Everybody's been watching uh, Contagion. This was written way before that, and I guess people, it's now popular again because there's something in the culture about wanting to see something that's like, it's like it's like your experience or similar to your experience, even if that experience is bad. And so, I think people want to yeah. see it as like what to expect. That's my, mm-hmm. that's what I that's take true. away from yeah. that. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. Or relating to it or seeing like maybe it's worse, but like somehow you'll get through it if you see characters pull through it, but... I thought, uh, and I, I, to be honest, I even forgot that this was an arc at one point until <laughs> I forgot it was. It was something came to me where I'm just like, oh yeah, because at first I thought No Man's Land, but then I was like, no wait, there was actually literally a virus before No Man's Land. So uh, I looked it up and I was like, okay, and, and like Dustin, I also read it along DC Universe. So I had not read this until actually this stuff was happening myself uh, along here, but it was an arc that happened from March to April in 1996. The writers were, uh, a lot of it was Chuck Dixon, but it also included Alan Grant, Doug Mensch, 
Dennis O'Neill, Garth Ennis, Christopher Priest, uh, and then a lot of the artists on there. Uh, I won't be able to name all of them, but uh, many of them were uh, Jim Aparo, Staz Johnson, Kelly Jones, Graham Nolan, Dave Taylor, Mike uh, Wieringo, Jim Balint, uh, Dick Giordano, and Tommy Lee Edwards. Uh, and this was kind of the first of the disaster movie arcs that they kind of threw at Batman, I guess because they just broke his back. So they are just like, you know, after Nightfall, mm. let's throw him something else. So Gotham, this is the first time that Gotham was facing an enemy that Batman couldn't actually punch. He couldn't even see this. So when I was a kid and I first heard mm. about like No Man's Land and these types of arcs, I was just like, eh, it's not the same as it, watching him beat the shit out of the Joker. But then now that I'm older, I kind of like it a lot more. I'm thinking that, you know, it's Batman facing his own existential crisis because it's like, what do I do? I wasn't prepared for this. I'm supposed to fight crime. I'm not supposed to fight, like, epidemics or pandemics or anything like that. And it sort of forces a lot of the characters to act differently from how you'd usually see them because they're in, like, a new situation. Um, and it also shows Batman's resilience during a time where he might be feeling like he's obsolete or might be feeling like he, he can't do anything. He still has to try. He still has to does, do something to help save his city. So... As uh, we've mentioned before, as Dustin mentioned, like this arc is so under the radar, DC Universe hasn't even compiled the collection yet as a story uh, <laughs> on there. Wow. Um, You'd think the it would behoove them to to do that, you know? <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> so <laughs> behoove them. Behoove the, them. <laughs> the trade paperback hasn't been out in a while, but the uh, cover of it says uh, there is no cure on the bottom, which is pretty overly <laughs> Maybe they dramatic. shouldn't be behooved after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's put that one under the radar on that one. <laughs> so, but uh, it's only on the trade paperback. It's not on the individual issue covers. But uh, we, I read through the story. Uh, Dustin did as well. So uh, usually with these, Dustin, I kind of... Uh, bring up a lot of stuff, but feel free to uh, chime in with your own opinions or chime in with any details that uh, you liked or noticed uh, at any point, just uh, just like these guys. So this is kind of, we're away from the interview. Yeah, we're away from the interview portion, so don't worry about like waiting for any cues from us uh, on this. But uh, before we get to Contagion, I have to sort of explain uh, one character a bit, and that is uh, Azrael. So uh, Azrael is, uh, he's created by the Order of St. Dumas, and they're kind of like an insane version of the church. And this one character named John Paul Valley becomes uh, Azrael. He's kind of born into it. His father was Azrael before him, and he's kind of programmed since birth with something called the system. And just in general, he's trained to be a killer for the church, is what this is. And yes, Batman, <laughs> Batman before Nightfall uh, meets him, is feels like he's got some promise and decides to help help him out even though he knows that there's he's got this programming within him but he knows that maybe he can help turn this kid away from that programming and turn him into a worthwhile vigilante then mm -hmm. he well, gets his back broken there. by bane and for whatever reason he bypasses dick grayson and says Shit. you know the perfect guy to take on the cow the program killer from the vatican that i <laughs> took in so <laughs> he lets john paul valley be batman too much morphine, Bruce. Until he kill, he was killed, yeah. <laughs> uh, so John Paul Valley is now Batman until Bruce Wayne can heal or maybe forever. And John Paul eventually succumbs to the system and, surprise, surprise, kills somebody. Now, obviously, he doesn't kill a Joker. He has to kill somebody who's, like, on a C-lister because we can't kill off any of the main Batman villains. So he kills off Abattoir. 
and yeah, nobody's ever heard, nobody's heard of this guy except for Avatar. The fact that he got, Isn't that like he, a vase? Killed. Isn't that like a part of a railing? I, I don't know. <laughs> but Avatar. whatever it is, I only I I don't only know that term because he's like, oh yeah, he's the guy that John Paul Valley died in the comics. He kills off Caught Gun. Yeah, he kills somebody. <laughs> Z-list <laughs> enemy of the bat. <laughs> So Bruce was like, oh, my God. Bruce is like, he killed Avatar. I must come back to reclaim the mantle. So he trains himself to to reclaim it, and he has this whole fight with John Paul Valley. And John Paul goes back to being Azrael after being humbled by Bruce and recognizes that Bruce is the real Batman. I think that it cannot be left unsaid that Azrael has such a badass design. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. It's fucking Uh, great. I want more Azrael in my life all the time. The Azrael Batman. Did Kazada design Azrael? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know who off the top of my head. Are we talking about the... Uh, wait, are we talking the the original Azrael costume or are we talking about the Batman Azrael? Uh, I was thinking the original Azrael. Um, hold on real Looking quick. It up. Looking it up on the Batcomputer. Azrael yeah, it says and Huntress should be like a Catholic team-up. <laughs> they do kind of yeah. team up, actually. In in you'll see later on, but yeah, it does say that he co-created oh, Azrael with Dennis O'Neill. So yeah, he is. Yeah, okay. I thought it was. I thought it was. Yeah. 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 Shout out so. to Ash. If anybody remembers that comic. That oh yeah, that absolutely. <laughs> so, but uh, let's tap into this then. So Contagion starts when Azrael sends a tape to Batman, showing him the effects of this deadly virus. It's dubbed the uh, Apocalypse Phylovirus. And there's somebody on the tape who says, even the smallest exposure to the virus can infect you. So, not a great start. If you're if you standing within six anxiety. feet of somebody, you could just <laughs> breathe it in. <laughs> so, basically, <laughs> Azrael has sent this tape, and he says, uh, I've been informed. Somebody had sent this to him. It's not explained within the arc who it is. But he says, somebody has sent this to us, and it's coming your way to Gotham City. And even though, you know, there's bad blood between him and Bruce, Batman knows Azrael's not going to fuck around. He's not going to lie about this. So he goes to investigate, and he goes to a military facility where the virus was first, like, contained or where they had discovered it. And he learns it's called the Ebola Gulf A virus, also known as the Clench. So the guy he interrogates about it says, Ebola Gulf A, incubation period, 48 hours, flu-like symptoms, when the virus spreads in airborne mucus. Blood leaks from the eyes, Gulf A desiccates the vessel, shrinking and deforming them, turning the victim into a gnarled, misshapen cripple. Eventually, the bones themselves splinter and break under the incredible pressure, hence its nickname, The Clench. Whoa. And the man who knows what's going on in quarantine uh, is uh, being interrogated by... <laughs> Here's, this is the hilarious part, uh, as Batman's learning this. He uh, Because the guy's in quarantine, because he has it, Batman puts on a containment suit, and he literally says out loud... The ears stay. So you see Batman in the containment suit with the ears poking up <laughs> in there. And uh, I love the quarant- my ears. <laughs> yes. So the quarantine general. The important is who's drawing him because uh, depending on which issue you're reading, the ears grow. <laughs> oh, really? It, quite it was, long. It was, it was <laughs> not Kelly they're Jones quite yet. Long. <laughs> I know it's not Tim Sale, but they're like Tim Sale length. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the quarantine general gives him the information. He says, quote, there is no cure. Your only choice would be to find the survivor. Somehow, I do not think I will fit that bill. And he turns around, and you see the blood already pouring from his eyes, and you know that he's already fucked. So, Batman is now on a quest to find the survivor. Uh, and mean- in the meantime, we're figuring out how this virus is coming to Gotham. 
Uh, and of course, it starts out by somebody coming in from a foreign country. So there's a guy named Maris, <laughs> and he arrives home at yep. his condominium complex uh, called, of course, Babylon Towers. And he's sneezing all over the place, and you can tell that he is obviously spreading this around, and other people, other characters don't know about this. And he goes to the Babylon residence, and he tells them that he's heard about this, this virus that's hitting Gotham. And he apparently himself doesn't, he doesn't know that he's been inoculated with it himself. So somebody in there is like, we should call the police. And he's like, this is a plague. The police can't stop it. Doctors can't stop it. God himself can't stop it. And it's in Gotham. So he brings up, if we try to run, we risk exposure to the virus. Anyone might have it. In just a few days, the streets will pile high with the dead and the dying. Order will break down and chaos will reign. And so he thinks that, uh, quote unquote, we can survive by sealing ourselves in. So he asks to dismiss all the servants and seal the building to self-isolate. Uh, and thrive on their own. Now, the thing is, it's a smart idea, except for the fact that you obviously root against these guys because they're basically like the rest of the city can hang and we won't tell anybody and we're going to dismiss all the servants so they can all die out there. So you don't really sympathize for these people. However, they are in a horror movie situation because of the fact that they have locked themselves in and they don't realize that they've locked themselves in with the guy who came over to spread it in the first place. So Batman, of course shows up around the time that this guy is showing symptoms and he's already bleeding from the eyes and uh, he reveals to the rest of the residents like, oh, like it's it's too late for me and I'm the one who brought, it. you know, everybody's in danger now. And he brings up there was a previous outbreak of this in Greenland and there was somebody who survived from that outbreak in Greenland. And uh, Batman has decided he is going to help find who that survivor was because that person is the hope for finding the cure for this contagion uh and robin's like they've sealed off the towers maybe it won't spread but batman of course is he knows logically that's not possible so he says quote there's no telling how many people maris came into contact with on his way to here so the people in babylon post a reward for whoever captures the survivor of this outbreak and the word gets around to the rogues gallery and one of those is the penguin and this is where we get we have fun because it's one thing to see batman react to a situation that is like life or death because he does it all the time but it's cool to see sometimes how do the villains take it when shit's going down around them so the penguin hears all these rich people in a condo want to pay money to find the survivor all right let me see if i can collect that reward so he hires a bounty hunter to go after this guy at the same time that robin and Azrael are going to greenland to find him and on top of that we got one more person who is the ultimate rogues gallery villain to be interested in getting money and that is catwoman so I gotta say, got man, like in the past, I I just realized that there were people actually living in Greenland in the past like five years or so, and yeah. I've been to Iceland. <laughs> like, I didn't know that that was an actual country. I thought it literally was a big fucking glacier. Trump tried to like buy literally. It. I think they have the air guitar championships in like Greenland. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody said like the 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 natives of Greenland one time, and I was like, "What? Re- wait, say that again!" Like I fucking had no idea. <laughs> no, they're, they're very a good place. point, Andrew. <laughs> I just didn't know. That you just don't ever you don't ever hear about it. I really like the cat woman uh, uh, outfit too. She's going to Greenland, so she's got to dress in white with the the leopard spots. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, nice. She's she's got to be camouflage, except for her 
the half of her face. Uh, basically, it's a shit show. Everybody's going after the survivor dude because not only do we have Penguin's Bounty Hunter, Robin and Azrael, we got Catwoman, but we also have, for whatever reason, the assassins, the people from the original people who may have unleashed this outbreak. Assassins are out and they shoot the survivor to death. And as Robin is trying to take his blood to see if he can salvage something out of this, the survivor says that he wasn't the only one, that there are two other survivors in Greenland. And so now the quest goes to figure out who they are and how they can find them. Just natural uh, immunity we, at this point? That's what we're it, to believe? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're led to believe. So maybe there's some okay. antibodies in their system that they could be used to, to uh, create something. Uh, and then meanwhile, back in Gotham, the news is starting to spread that this is what's happening in Babylon Towers. And, of course, it's a cynical portrayal of the media. They're basically like, this play, exclusive, ratings, we can get ratings on this. And so as the word spreads, the governor calls for all the travel, all train stations, all airports and buses to stop. And he starts to quarantine Gotham. And we have this great scene where Batman visits Gordon, who at this point has is out of office uh, due to political reasons that we'll get into later, but uh, he's no longer commissioner, but he still wants, Batman still wants his help, and he says, it's too big, how can I fight a disease? And that's kind of the first, like, slight moment of Batman sort of feeling existential about this, because which he'll feel a lot more when we get to No Man's Land type stuff, but it's this isn't somebody where he can simply punch him and throw him into Arkham. This is something that it's coming for everybody, no matter if they're good it's or bad. It's diseasy, <laughs> yes. little son of a bitch. <laughs> we got you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You'll never catch my prongs, Batman. I'm attached to your RNA. <sighs> Unless he shoots, shrinks down to be like a little micro Batman, and he'll get in there and whoop that virus as ass. Unfortunately, he can't goes. do that. That's not where this goes. Damn unfortunately, it. he does not devise a shrink. Right. You, you don't. You would think he would ask Ray Palmer, <laughs> the Adam, <laughs> to help yeah. him out here, yeah. but instead he's just like, you know, I'm gonna just find a way. So, uh, as no, that's a Wolfie Cruz copyright idea. Then, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll write it. It'll be a super house exclusive. Uh, that but sounds yeah. great. Asriel Catwoman. <laughs> Azrael and Catwoman team up to track one of the remaining survivors from Greenland, who is a Chinese guy. So <laughs> this guy is convinced oh, man. that he survived. Oh, boy. It's yeah. getting hot in here. <laughs> this guy's hilarious because he's like, I survived the virus. That means that I'm invincible. I'm like Superman. And when Azrael and Catwoman try to offer him money for just a vial of his blood, he's like, I have no, me- I have no means of money when I have eternal life. Look. And then he stabs himself in the neck. And then he he's bleeding out, and he's like, oh, maybe I was mistaken. And then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> and then right there, too, like, there's something else, like, really contemporary happening with that whole situation. And, like, his, his butler or whoever it is that's working for him mm-hmm. keeps bringing up insurance premiums. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Every every time he gets to speak, he starts talking about the insurance premiums. And, you know, I, I'm going into this thinking, well, this is contemporary because of, you know, Corona. And then he starts talking about the insurance. And I was like, holy smokes, like this is contemporary on a lot of different, you know, yeah, different yeah. points, man. And uh, I just kept thinking, man, the the whoever wrote this book in like '96 must have been going through some health issues and couldn't afford health insurance. Interesting, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> These no, motherfuckers. No, it's, it's... 
So by the time Robin comes back uh, to deliver the blood from the, the first survivor, Gotham is like now in complete quarantine. Uh, and Batman, he refuses to give up. He's, he has to synthesize his antidote. And again, he does not think of turning to Ray Palmer uh, to do a shrinkage ray to fight it. <laughs> so he says, uh, we can't let death turn lives into numbers. Uh, but as this is happening, things are only getting worse because the press brings up that they trace the virus to Babylon Towers. Uh, and because people are who they are, people are just like, oh, the first people with a virus must be the people to blame. So they start blaming the people mm-hmm. who first caught the virus, and the, he, one guy wow, even says, Wow, this is exactly like what we're dealing with now, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah, one one guy says, quote, they're Where killing us. Where is Batman already? Catwoman, <laughs> 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 Cat for that matter. <laughs> one, guy, one guy says, quote, they're killing us, it's only fair we should make them pay. Even though, again, they they had no idea. Even the guy who first brought it in had no idea. But it's like, and then there's also this other moment that is like right out of fucking Twitter or something where, and it's a character, I don't even think she has a name, but she's in the morgue. I think Dustin might remember this. She's in the morgue and she says, quote, the grimmest fact is that it might be best that the virus did escape Gotham. Given the effects of rampant overpopulation, the earth would no doubt improve, even thrive, were 90% of us to be eliminated. Well, and they they said something about like I guess at that point the virus was simultaneously um, making them weaker and stronger because um, it affects their like immune system. Like even if they contract it and they lived, and their immune system was altered forever afterwards. Mm-hmm. And they were like, even if like everybody died off, then this weak ten percent would inherit this new world, and they would be like better off. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty crazy moment, right? Like, um, uh, there's definitely some doomsdayers out there who are like, you know, let it rip. Yeah. (laughs) It's God's plan. (laughs) (laughs) It's a natural selection. (laughs) Seriously. I bought up all that toilet paper on purpose, you motherfuckers. I was half expecting to see a panel of looters with toilet paper sometime in this comic. I, I, I looked through it one other time it's just like, to see. In like a prophetic kind of way, you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> this book is the Bible now. Batman's coming, guys. Come on. Come yeah. on. Yeah. It's going to save us. Come so ba- Batman has now devised an antidote, but uh, the thing is he... He can't fully go into Babylon Towers without being fully exposed, so he does go to someone who would have immunity, somebody who has immune to immunity to every single poison out there, and that's Poison Ivy. So Batman oh, is shit. in such a desperate enough situation wow, that he has to put wow. trust into a rogues gallery villain. Um, so she goes there instead, uh, but obviously she doesn't do what Batman told her to do. Instead, she tries to bid for the vaccine so that other people can like pay for it or give her what she wants out of that. And she winds up in Babylon, and we've got this sort of weird sequence where everyone is, like, partying for, like, the end-of-the-world party. And there's references to it's kind of a takeoff on the Edgar Allan Poe story, The Mask of the Red Death, when there was, like, a party in the castle where all, where there was, like, a plague outside, only to find out that there was a plague inside uh, type of thing. So uh, mm-hmm. somebody is definitely trying to reference a lot of classic literature in this. But anyway, Poison Ivy tries to use the vaccine on the people who she rewards only to find that it doesn't work. So Batman oh, goes in, finds out from Poison Ivy, it's not working. He and Gordon uh, end up taking her down and escaping together. And there's some great moments here too where they look at each other and they're kind of like, this could be the end of the world. This could be the end of this entire journey. And uh, Gordon kind of has this heartfelt moment where he's just like, the one thing I don't regret is fighting this war with you. 
to Batman. Because, uh, mm-hmm. again, this is something that's bigger than any of them, and despite them for years probably thinking that it would be the Joker or Penguin or Two-Face or any of those guys to take him down, it could potentially be this disease. So I really like the character moment for myself uh, on that. It was, uh, it was nice to see that shade in light of all the different uh, <laughs> somewhat prophetic mm-hmm. uh, other instances of humanity being shown here. But uh, outside of the towers, there's a bunch of rioters who, again, as I said, like they blame the rich, they blame the people in there for spreading the disease, and they think that if they kill them or burn down the tower, then they'll get rid of it. Uh, and Nightwing brings up how they shouldn't even be out he says, quote, when an unknown number of virus carriers are no longer contained, it's very bad news. And Robin says, exactly. By holding up at the towers, they've gone into voluntary quarantine, and it's a quarantine we've got to enforce. Sound familiar? Voluntary quarantine. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Oh Tom Hanks God. and Rita, what's her name? Wilson. Got sick from this at first. <laughs> yeah, all the people that are getting sick, all these actors and whatnot. Yes. Locked up in their ivory towers and whatnot. <laughs> So they go. Sorry, is this a flu? This is a flu-like <laughs> thing, ultimately, right? It's yeah, yeah. Just Seriously, like, uh, just like coronavirus. Yeah, though it is, it is much, much worse. Like it's pretty much fatal if you get it in this. In the Higher than two percent for sure. Turns you into a sure. Quasimodo. Yeah, it does turn you into Quasimodo. Actually, uh, what? But it does. I told you, it's called the clench. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it turns. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it sa- that's I'm what feeling it the clinch like. right now. Dear. That's a good one, Dustin. Uh, but yeah, they try to go to, you know, quell down the rioters to be like, why are you even out? Like, this, the disease is going to spread. And the, and the rioters say, quote, if we're going to all die anyway, why not have fun as long as life lasts? Which huh. is probably what all those fucking, like, spring breakers are saying now. All those people you see on the news being like, we don't <laughs> care that there's a quarantine. We're out because we've been waiting on spring break. A bunch of idiots. Had so, you. Yeah, seriously. So Robin <laughs> Robin gets into our... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, one of the rioters spits into Tim Drake's face. And oh, Tim shit. beats the oh. shit out of the guy. But as you might be able to tell, Robin ends up getting out of commission and starts bleeding from the eyes. And so Nightwing oh, brings shit. him over to the Batcave so that Alfred can take care of him. So that's a whole other thing that they got to deal with. Um, that's my then, little Timmy. Yep. <laughs> um, Don't hurt my Timmy. I thought you were the smartest one. Uh, unfortunately, no. But, I mean, we had to have had somebody get sick from this. You know, we had to Somebody's have somebody gotta die. So why not be the youngest one? Uh, so Robin is out of commission. Nightwing is out there. Andrew's favorite bird of prey is out there. The Huntress, she's out there trying to fight out. <laughs> that is true. Um, there is a short subplot involving the mayor of Gotham. His name is Kroll. Uh, funny enough, uh, it's a funny name. But Mayor Kroll, he's a politician with a big ego. And he's in an election year, and he just recently lost. And so he feels slighted by the fact that the city voted against him. So he decides to take it out on the rest of the city. Uh, he's appointed like a bunch of incompetent people. Uh, there's an incompetent commissioner who's replaced Gordon. Uh, and when he hears about this virus originally, he really doesn't do enough to combat it uh, until the governor calls him up and is like, what the hell were you thinking trying to cover up this plague? And the governor has already sent in the National Guard to help contain it and declare martial law in this. Uh, based oh, off boy. of the mayor's incompetence. And so the mayor himself ends up finding that he's been infected with it at the same time. And of course, they try to, I'm, it never really gets that released publicly, but I'm sure they try to, uh, 
make it seem as if he was not. But anyway, the entire city has been shut down, and Oracle, Barbara Gordon, is looking at this from her computer, and she's like, I've never been so happy to be a cyber shut-in. <laughs> yes. there like are me. there are like way too many posts of people like oh well i work from home anyway okay man yeah maybe you do not a lot of people do as well you know yeah yeah people and are even getting if you, fucked from this yeah even if you do work from home like you're not used to like oh yeah you also can't go out <laughs> to like yeah, these places exactly. or that places or can't even co- show up to your friends if you're in a case of like san francisco so, just don't rub your cool stay-at-home job in our fucking face, all right, man? <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, what if you're cool and unemployed? Well, and that's the other thing, too, right? Like, the, originally there was a big run on uh, toilet paper, right? So, like, yeah, now yeah. the big thing is you can't find Ethernet cables or laptops. Like, all the electronics places are, like, selling out. Oh, uh, shit. Uh, well... Yeah, because like for me, like I, you know, I teach Clemson and a couple other like local colleges, and they're trying to find out like, well, who has the equipment to teach from home and who doesn't, and they're literally like buying up laptops and setting up a time where they can come pick up laptops to like work from home. So, um, you know, it's crazy to me because it's like the the economy, like the the stock market is just like tanking, but you have like this panic buying. And like this mass buying, and I'm like, people are spending money like never before. <laughs> some know? some markets will like surge, but then there's others that are gonna really take a huge hit. Like obviously airlines, gyms, even the restaurant industry uh, to a certain degree. Ah, uh, it's dude. Uh, anyway, that's a whole other topic. Let's uh, right, yeah. Let's try to stay stay positive. Is that here. you, Batman? <laughs> Is that you looming on the horizon there? That means that rich enough he can use a yeah, stimulus package to help out and yeah. <laughs> be a real hero. <laughs> yes. Wow, these poor people, they're not doing so good. <laughs> well, here's where we sort of dive away from the similar parallels and go purely into fiction, because now we find Catwoman goes to a different country, finds the last remaining survivor, brings her over to Gotham only to find that all the rich people who could potentially pay for it are dead because of the riots. So, uh, and by the time that she's arrived with the survivor, Batman shows up and he says, it, it's not going to work. The cure can't come from any of the survivors. They already have the immunity in the system, but it can't be duplicated. So it's like, now what? Here's where shit gets weird, and this is why I talk so much about Azrael in the beginning. Azrael <laughs> reconvenes with his friends, and on TV... They show the microscope of like the what the clench looks like under the microscope, and he's like, "That looks familiar." And he realizes this comes from the crazy church people. It comes from the Order of Saint Dumas, and we cut That's to cool. like the monks who are there, and and apparently he had said, "Quote, you know, when the hour is propitious, the order would cleanse the earth of sinners and ensure that only the righteous would survive." So, Azrael has now figured this out, and they're looking at the ancient Dumas text. Azrael's I'm not sure who she is. Her name is Lily. I'm not. I'm not that well versed in Azrael. I'm not the man who knows too much about Azrael. Clearly, but, uh, <laughs> she she's able to do sort of a formula, and they create an antidote, and then uh, Azrael delivers it. Deliver it cures Gotham and it cures Tim Drake, and that's the end. <laughs> so <laughs> this story has been from the same order too, because yeah, like, yeah, it, it was written in a certain text, and like she could read it, and there was like very few people who could read it, and yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. why they were able to uh, simulate the antidote. 
Yeah, but this is uh, this ending has been critiqued. I've seen in terms of being somewhat anticlimactic uh, on it. Uh, also, extremely unlikely to be duplicated in real life. To be find the the the, do, the formula for this in ancient texts, but uh, this is apparently Damn it. all right. Not- Google search <laughs> over. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, going, but but yeah. this is uh, yeah. But this story arc has been collected. So if you want to read this for yourself. Uh, we can tell you the actual issues so that you don't have to hint around like Dustin and I had to do. So it's uh, Batman Shadow of the Bat, number 48, Detective Comics, 695, Robin, 27, uh, Catwoman, 31. Now you have to make sure that's the 90s Catwoman, not the 2000s, New 52, or any of the Rebirth stuff. Uh, Azrael, 15, Batman, 529, Shadow of the Bat, 49, Detective Comics, 696, the Batman Chronicles number four, Catwoman number thirty-two, Azrael number sixteen, and finally, <gasps> Robin twenty-eight. So uh, those are all the ones. But uh, maybe this was because of the anticlimactic ending, or maybe it's because they had other plans. But this was actually not the only time that Batman had to deal with the clench, because apparently this virus gets the attention of a certain eco terrorist. He had a bad burrito. Yeah, <laughs> with a bad burrito. No. It gets the attention of a certain eco-terrorist of a vast organization. Who Ocean then Master? To, who's, yes, yes, Ocean Master. Exactly. It's the, <laughs> the, it's the top Batman villain, Ocean Master. Dude, um, I want to see Batman versus Ocean Master now. That, him versus Patrick Wilson? That'd actually be interesting. That'd be fucking awesome. Uh, he, but he decides he's going to use this, and he teams up with the man who had previously broke Batman. So the next story that tackles this, which we'll save for another episode, is Bane of the Demon. And that's the arc that's the arc that connected Bane to Talia and Razal Ghoul that then inspired parts of The Dark Knight Rises. And so, Azrael oh! What about Azrael? Bane and Azrael have scenes together? That sounds pretty awesome. Uh I don't know if Bane has scenes with Azrael in Bane of the Demon, because I need to reread it, but he definitely has scenes with him in Nightfall. Or uh, Okay. Night Quest, because that's when John Paul donned the suit, and it was John Paul who, who defeated Bane. It wasn't actually Bruce Wayne until uh, much later when he had to fight Bane. So Asriel seems like such a product of the '90s, and I love it. <laughs> yes, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God, it's totally. so good. And there's like, I don't know if it was DLC, but there was Asriel in uh, in one of the Arkham games, and he was trying to be like, uh, what do you call it, uh like a apprentice under Batman or some shit like that. I can't remember. It was the last one. It was the last game that came out. Yeah. yeah Arkham Knight. Knight. Yeah. yeah. I think they used the Michael Lane version of Azrael because there's more than one. Okay. Uh, but John, John Paul was the first one. Michael Lane took over later. Um, Azrael was actually, um, Azrael, the, the only adaptation we've seen of Azrael in live action uh, was very different, but it was in Gotham. Actually, nice. they resurrected one of the villains, and Hugo Strange put him in the Azrael outfit. And there's a scene where young Bruce Wayne sees Azrael escaping from the cops, and him with the long cape and everything. And it's kind of implied that that will inspire his future persona. So nice. That's kind of cool. Also, Gotham season three dealt with, lo and behold, a virus ravaging around the city. Now it was very different. It was what? a virus that caused people to go psychotic. So it was almost like a supervillain creator type of thing like uh, Michael Chiklis was the Gotham captain in the police department and he gets infected with it and he turns into a villain because of the because of it so it's it's very sci-fi very comic booky but uh, the aftermath it's important because the aftermath of this is what pers- what it's what leads the um, 
17 or 16 or 17 year old Bruce Wayne to become a vigilante. Oh, wow. So it does play a big part of his evolution to it. So that's kind of the closest we've gotten in terms of an adaptation of this. Let's get a final summation here as to what is similar in Contagion to now. Like, let's list off some bullet points. So uh, how do you guys feel about that? Like, let's fire away. Sure. So you have, like, sure. people talking yeah. about being shut-ins already. It's a flu-like right. virus. It comes from a foreign country. What else am I missing here? Uh, people blaming the original carriers of the disease and thinking that if they yes. attack them, that then that'll solve things when it won't. Okay. The apparent mishandling by the bureaucratic forces at work. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> We missing anything uh, else? It's it already lightly. pretty close. It's pretty damn close. It's pretty close. There's no instance of like we have test kits that don't work, but yeah. I mean the antidote the antidote thing is kind of close in terms Gotham of Batman shutting down. Yep. Oh, <laughs> so man. we have and Batman's uh, on his way. <laughs> oh, that's real. That's a real thing. So uh, uh, I know that. I can. I think we can also sum this up in terms of opinions. Andrew, what did you think hearing about this story arc? It's definitely cool to see how close it is to to how it is now. I mean, there's even though it was written in '96, uh, it's almost like prophetic. But the anticlimactic park is actually obviously it's like you know a little bit of a minus. But I do like the I like the fact that you have an enemy that you can't punch, and it's not yeah. even really a human at all. Well, I guess you can punch any human, but you know what I'm saying. And then, <laughs> yeah. But but, you know, this obviously lends itself to being uh, a detective story, and uh, maybe they should have um, focused more on Batman in a lab and consulting with epidemiologists and the like, and uh, and maybe going that route. Maybe that would be too text heavy, too dialogue heavy, but that's just the nature of this particular Batman story. And um, I don't know, like Batman meets Outbreak and Gotham is shut down. And I think that maybe they could um, revisit this type of storyline. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially now, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wolfie, what do you think? Um, It's a harrowing adventure, man. I'm a uh, <laughs> little concerned. <laughs> about how prophetic it is and uh i'd read the rest of it potentially to find the answers to my own problems but you already explained the whole thing so i'm good we we just need an avenging angel to look at some ancient texts and then de deliver the antidote uh, oh i love I, that, that is part. quite apropos that you suggested the episode so man i'm here i was hoping to find some tidbits that might be useful but um <laughs> Now I just really want to meet Catwoman in that white suit. So. Especially the Jim oh, Baylin confused. version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike Waringo, that's my guy yes. out of this yeah. series. Anyway, yeah. uh, Dustin, what do you what do you think after reading all this? Uh, the one thing that really jumped out at me and kind of surprised me about the whole thing was just like how super adult it was. Well, they're talking about like insurance premiums and shit. Yeah, when you said that, like that's some adult shit. Like some kid reading that in '96, I was thinking about this. They learned about insurance premiums from asking their parents right after that. Like comic books was a learning experience. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, why it's it, important to read, kids. 
you know, and I, I don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing because, like, you know, part of me thinks that like it was like self indulgent, and this writer just got caught up in like I have this really great idea. Um, but was there a way to kind of like ground it a little bit more because there are so many like little things in there? Like you're re- you talk about the referencing like Edgar Allan Poe. And then uh, Poison Ivy is mentioning, like, the the Babylonian gardens, uh, hanging gardens. And I'm like, how many, you know, 10-year-old kids know about, like, <laughs> Sumerian culture and the Babylonians, you know, from, like, uh, prehistoric times and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, so it, it was kind of shocking that. Um, I probably read it as a kid and like didn't even realize it and then coming mm-hmm. back to it now I'm like man it's like so like adult um, but now that it's totally. here and I'm saying uh, oh totally um, now that it's here and somebody's talking about revisiting um, I think some tweaks that you could make is one um, you know getting a little bit of a deeper dive into like the class warfare um, or just how like mm-hmm. how polarized we are as a nation um, right now in terms of like right and left. Um, I think that's something else that could be explored if you were going to make it a little more um, contemporary. Um, and uh, the other thing that kind of stood out to me, like you kept mentioning it, was like um, you know Batman fighting like a villain that he couldn't fight with his fist or whatever. Yeah. And you were talking about um, him feeling inadequate. But the thing that really kind of stands out to me was one of the things that's always been like intriguing to me about Batman versus say Superman. Like Superman was always boring to me because he was like never there's never any fear of him losing, right? Whereas Batman's like this like regular guy that there's always something at stake when he goes in. Like no matter how much training, something could always go sideways. And this is just another situation where um, he's going in there and you know you're going to catch it. You know what I mean? And he doesn't. But, like, that was the thing for me is, like, that's, like, the hero aspect. Like, I'm going to do this even if it means, like, I'm going to catch it Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to get sick. Um, And I thought that was, like, a really good, you know, type of, like, hero moment and just emphasizing – um, you know, the type of person he is. Like, I always say, you know, like, Batman never wants a thank you because if, if he was expecting a thank you, then he wouldn't be cool, you know? Right. Sure. And so that, that that's kind of like, uh, you know, and even Robin, right? Like, getting spit in the face. Um, yeah. You know, like, all these moments of, like, I'm going to put myself at risk if it means helping somebody else. Um, and that's kind of like the thing that like I pulled, you know, out of it, um, like in terms of like the Batman character. But um, in general, the story, I just I was like just blown away by like how adult it was. And obviously the writers are um, very cultured and know a lot of like, you know, literature and history. And that's being inserted and I was just like, I don't think anybody would have appreciated it back then. Like now, mm. m- more so. But um, I was like, man, this is this is really high level. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's why I I'm kind of glad I didn't read it when I in 1996. I would not have been able to understand. I'd just be like, eh, this is boring. Like, where's the Joker? Like now, I'm like, oh <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> well, especially now. Yeah, yeah, especially. Well, that would be interesting too, right? Like, what if there's a situation where it was Joker that got sick, and Batman's trying to save him. 
you know like that's crazy like that i mean maybe that's Mm -hmm. a new way to like revisit it um you know like here's a person i could just let him die and that would be cool but i'm gonna go out of my way to like save him too or or maybe mm-hmm. even he has the immunity right like you've got to like Ooh, save yeah. him and get him back you know something like that. the irony yeah yeah you know and he's um, playing it against everything and at the same time he's dying like yeah so good yeah, it'd be it'd be kind of like the Batman versus Dracula part where Joker, like Batman, when when Joker was a vampire, Batman sort of kept him in the Batcave, and he was just like, you know, I'm going to cure him, oh, even right. though, yeah, yeah, that's good, that was good, I so, love that, yeah, so that was awesome, but it is uh, a hell of a story to read now. I'm glad I read it at this time because I don't, again, as Dustin said, I would definitely not have appreciated it uh, at all if I had read it earlier. So. School. Now we're living it. Now we're living it. Now we just need Azrael to come in. I'm Batman. Ten-year-old Ben. Insurance premiums. Right. Fuck this shit. Throws it in the trash. <laughs> I, I did learn about German expressionist cinema through Batman Returns because oh, of damn. Max Schreck oh, yeah. being named oh, yeah. after yeah. the the actor who was Nosferatu. So there, there's a lot of truth to what Dustin was saying on that or what what both you and, and uh, Dustin were saying on that, Andrew, where it's like uh, some stuff you just inadvertently learn through comics or, yeah, or references sure. to those things. Well, and Very I'll drop good. some other... Here, here's some fine art um, tidbits for you there. Um, <laughs> Heath Ledger's Joker uh, is actually based off of um, uh, a painter, uh, Francis Bacon. Uh, and the paintings he did yeah and he did these really like like weird kind of like grotesque like abstract paintings where it's like really figurative but then he like just like kind of like smear the face and he always had this emphasis on like meat and flesh and like bone like he was always using that vocabulary Um, his art was industrial music before it existed And they did, uh, you know, they did interviews with Nolan, and he was like, "Yeah, like I, I took those paintings to the makeup artist and was like, I want this," mm-hmm. and that's how like Heath Ledger's Joker came about was uh, Francis Bacon paintings. It's a uh, Francis yeah, you Bacon. Can definitely see it. Yeah, it's a Francis Bacon painting in '89 uh, in the '89 Batman movie when they're in the museum and Joker saves one painting and Bob's about to slash it, and he's like, "I kind of like this one, Bob. Leave it." Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so interesting it's, to me. It's foreshadowing. The, yeah. the, the, the threads. There are all these little threads that go through through the Batman lore. It's so mm-hmm. interesting how like a yeah. lot of our previous mythology is kind of like swim in the into this pool, wade into the Batman mythos. It's great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so I think that about wraps it up, gents, for this episode. <laughs> Justin, I'm sure you'd like to uh, plug some of your pages for our listeners. Uh, yeah, actually, um, www.lmasseyart.space. Uh, um, and if you sign up there, I have uh, you can subscribe to my mailing list. And if you sign up now, you'll actually get a uh, discount code for 20% off all prints in my shop. And then I also have a Patreon account. Um, it's DL Massey Art. And um, basically, I have three tiers. So it's $3, $9, $21. And um, usually, all my behind the scenes, like work in progress picks, I'm like putting that stuff up. 
uh, a lot of if I'm not doing commissions uh, I, I put up polls and you get to vote on like what cover I do next so I'll put up like three and Ooh. they get to vote yeah nice. and then okay. at the $21 tier like you get like all of those benefits but then it's also like a print of the month club so like they pick one of those covers i'll do one of the covers and then you get that print in the mail like that month uh and then all of the tiers like if you're a patreon member you get 20 percent off on commissions which basically kind of like wipes out the patreon fee so like if you're paying 21 a month and you get a commission then basically it's like you got patreon for free that month so nice. um yeah nice. so check those out and it's a really good community too um in terms of it's more like this you know like when i'm on instagram i'm very pc and i don't want to offend anybody and like on the patreon account you know like as soon as they released the patents and batman everybody was hitting me up like when are you going to do this and I went immediately to my Patreon account and, like, talked to those guys. And I was like, oh, man, I'm, like, not really wanting to do this. Like, what do you guys think? <laughs> you know, so we could, like, really, like, honestly talk about it. And not have to worry about, like, upsetting anybody. So um, it's a good, it's good community. <laughs> it also doesn't help that we haven't had a really good look at it either. Like stunt yeah, costumes, no. I was like, eh, like uh, you guys should have released the full body thing way beforehand. This is not a good way for me to see this. Yeah, that's true. Well, Far away I think in the, the Batmobile that... shots as well. Oh yeah, like the 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 Batmobile. I like you went from the tumbler to that. <laughs> I mean, we we do love that. We do love the the new one. Kind of digging it. Yeah, yeah like, I like oh. the, I like the new one. Well, and the other thing that the, the initial thing, and I, I know it's supposed to be the gun that killed his parents is like the bat symbol or whatever. That's but the, the fact, theory, yeah, yeah, the theory. yeah, the, the theory. But the fact that it's so tiny and small, I feel is just like a metaphor for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, shots fired! I, I he is very small. I do that. agree, though. Like I've, I've said this so many times on, on the pod. I'm like, there is no point in having a bat symbol on your chest if I can't fucking see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the whole point, right? The whole point is like for it to be like a distraction. Like that was like the original like mythology yeah, behind like the yeah. yellow around it. You know, like it's supposed to be a distraction. So. And it just seems like we've kept obscuring and obscuring it. They brought it back when we got to Affleck, and he got that huge black bat on his chest. Yeah. But yeah. Even that, when. That... The fat bat, as some as some of us call it, but it, it's the it's there. Bat. Like that still counts. That still, that still fulfills the purpose. I was happy with that. Yeah, you can definitely tell. Like he got the drinking problem in Justice League. He put on some weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor guy. Poor guy. Uh, so let's see. We have so yeah. Those are uh, Dustin's pages. Please check them out. I am definitely going to order a print myself uh, after this. And let's see. We have some other. Uh, friends for the podcast that we can discuss as well as um, a few good causes that we can talk about. So first off, uh, we usually do a lot of Instagram social media shoutouts, but this time I'm going to do shoutouts to followers of both Superhouse and Dustin. So those include... Nice, uh, man. I did, I did the detective work on this one to find out who crosses <laughs> over. Uh, that's Mitch, the one soul, the.animated.batman, Johnny Lucian underscore D, and Gotham Dark Fox Love 8. Hopefully you enjoy this episode since you guys are fans of both of us. 
let's see. Nice. On top of that, a uh, friend of the podcast, John K. Reagan, has his Kickstarter. That's uh, www.kickstarter.com slash projects slash IBD film slash aisle hyphen B hyphen damned. Uh, and then a couple other causes uh, that would be good during this time because partially due to the outbreak and also partially due to certain circumstances, you guys might have read in the trades that uh, on the set of the show Batwoman, a production assistant uh, got caught in an accident and is currently paralyzed. Uh, there is a GoFundMe account to help out. Uh, her, na- her name is Amanda Smith, and um, my heart goes out to her because I know from first-hand experience how it's like for life to throw you a curveball when you're trying to just build up a career in the industry. Again, this is somebody who is working as a production assistant. This is not one of these you know, rich actors or directors type of things, and um, she could use some help. So uh, that site is GoFundMe.com. Not F. to get too personal with this person that we don't even know, but what exactly happened to her to paralyze uh, her? There was some something dropped, basically, on her head. Oh my God! Oh. Yeah, uh, and I don't, oh. I don't know how it would have happened. You would think. I mean, I don't know what's going on on that set, honestly, because Ruby Rose almost got her neck neck broken during the production. So I don't know what the hell's oh going on. Oh my God, but, man! What the fuck? But whatever come the on, case Vancouver. Is, whatever Vancouver the case film is, industry. Um, the GoFundMe. The Wild North. The GoFundMe account is uh, as of this recording. Uh, the goal is $100,000. It's currently at $84,513. Um, I've donated on behalf of uh, Superhouse, but you can go to GoFundMe.com slash F slash Amanda hyphen Smith hyphen Rehabilitation hyphen Fund. Uh, and then the last cause is uh, the, you guys may have heard around that uh, there are several uh, cat cafes around uh, that you can visit and <laughs> adopt adopt pets. Uh, we are, each one of us at Superhouse has a pet of our own, but uh, over here in Los Angeles, the Cat Cafe Lounge could use some help. They um, cannot afford to be closed indefinitely uh, because of the fact that their job is a non-profit organization dealing with rescuing animals. So, they could use some help. You can go to catcafelounge.com to help donate to them. Again, these are causes that do not sponsor us in any way. We do not personally know anybody. These are just a couple things that I found that I've personally donated to that I think are good causes, especially during this time. And if you happen to have some extra cash and have a desire to help other people around uh, during this time, then these are some good causes to donate to. Nice, man. Good internet sleuth work and all that and, and for a good cause as well. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then our usual uh, shout outs. Thanks, Kooky Noms, Matthew Herring, Alicia. Am um, I missing anybody? Uh, anyway, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. I feel like I haven't said that in the past few episodes. And um, go to uh, Superhouse. Oh, and thanks, Shasta, of course, because you can join the Shasta Army on our Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Superhouse Podcast. Uh, $1 tier is the Shasta Army. And, uh, oh yeah, the voice recorder thing. Please uh, open your phone up, uh, open a voice recorder app, you probably already have one, and uh, record something like, Superhouse is fucking awesome, fucking love Superhouse, uh, something like that, something not incriminating, and then uh, share share that to <laughs> the... Uh, to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. We've already had a few come in, as you can tell, in our recent episodes, and that is fucking awesome. So please be a part of Superhouse in that way. And I think it's going to do it for me. Uh, anybody else? Wolfie? I'm Wolfie Krez. 
C R U Z Z on Instagram. <laughs> I got some photography shit there every now and again. I'll <laughs> load it up. I also have a page called Sentient Meme Generator on both fam- Facebook and Instagram. Check that out. I've been kind of uh, bankrupt for original memes, but I tend to try and share some funny shit and good stuff to make me maybe make people laugh during this tough time. Um, as well as on Facebook, I have a group called the Overly Critical Hyper Analytical Movie Club. So join that and come talk movies with us. Uh, and that's all I got. Awesome, man. Nice. Uh, and I am Ben Juan Ryder on Instagram. And I also head the Superhouse Instagram at Superhouse Pod, as well as the Superhouse Twitter at Superhouse Pod. So please follow us on both those pages. You'll check out a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, that about does it. So until then. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs>